everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 85. This is your first time here. My name is Damian Ross, and I'm not only the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. But probably even more importantly, I'm a full-time RVer, and since 2017, I've lived and worked in all of the lower 48 states. All right, I'm going to go off the cuff a little here and just say that's really what this podcast is about. It's about interviewing people that are living a nomadic lifestyle, no matter where you are, no matter how you're doing it. It's really just a hodgepodge of people that have found a really cool way to live, work, and travel all at the same time. And on today's episode, I speak with Jenny, and we get into how a backpacking trip in Australia turned into moving to Australia and then living full-time on the road. But like always, before I say too much... Let's get into the episode. All right. With that, I want to welcome Jenny to the show. How are you? I'm really good. And you? I'm good. I'm excited to ask you this. I mean, I normally, you know, it's it's exciting to ask people, but this is a first. Where are you right now? I'm in Australia on the southwest coast, so Western Australia. I think I read recently that like literally the majority of Australia lives along the coast. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody goes to the middle. That's, there is not much in the middle, yeah. <laughs> and yet I'm on the phone with you in the middle of the United States. I won't say where because then people get offended, but I'm also in the middle where a lot of people don't live. So it makes sense. Everybody wants to live on the coast. <laughs> hey, let's, it's a much let's do something fun. <laughs> let's go back to when did the idea of going kind of full time and, and, you know, what kind of rig are you in now? But when did the idea hit you? Um, it hit me like when our son born, because um, when I arrived in Australia, because I'm from France 11 years ago, um, I came as a backpacker for one year and the goal was to do in one year, the big lap of Australia. But then I fell in love with the country, so I wanted to stay. So to get a sponsorship, I had to stop traveling. And my partner always wanted to travel. And um, I said to him, well, let's go so we can enjoy our son and have time as a family because we were business owner. So we were working as crazy. You know, him, he was leaving 4.35 in the morning, coming back at 7, 8 p.m., um, yeah, and me with my business too. I was living a bit later, but I just wanted to like see our son grow, and uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's how it became and the idea. And then after, uh, well, it took us what we make the idea. We bought yeah in nine months time, eight nine months time, we were on the road. So from the so if I hear you correctly, you basically decided to do a little backpacking trip. Was there already? You and your partner, it was already your son was with you for the backpacking trip? Um, no, I was only born in 2017. Oh, okay. So I came on my own, I came on my own in Australia. Gotcha. And I met my and I met my partner Nathan in Australia. Gotcha. All right. Now I'm now I'm tracking because I was gonna say that's that's kind of <laughs> funny to be like, hey, we're gonna you know, we're gonna leave France, we're gonna go for like a year, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, nope, we're yeah. here, we're starting a family. <laughs> So, wow, your one year is really... And when was that? What year was that that you came over to Australia for the one year? So, 2010. So, it will be 11 years next month. There you go. Yeah, that's a that's that's a long backpacking trip. But let's go back to France really quick. How big of a house did you have? How was it difficult even deciding to go, you know, downsize to a backpacking trip? Uh, did you put stuff in storage? Because it sounds like your plan was to go back. Take me through that a little. Uh, so... So we left because I met my partner here. So for 
the nomad's life we left from here, like from Barn Bay on the East Coast. So we had a 85, 90 square meters house. Uh, but we were renting, so basically we sold everything, <laughs> like did a lot of garage sale and things like that, and uh, sold all our, the cars and everything. And uh, we bought our home on wheels, and uh, we left. And some of our stuff are at my in-laws. I got a big shed, so we could store some stuff over there, but we don't have much. Gotcha. And I will assume that your rig is probably something – that I don't recognize in regards to the brand name, possibly what kind of, uh, you know, what are you traveling in? So we have a uh, off-road camper trailer tow by four by four Pajero. Gotcha. And how big is it in like, you know, going from your house to this, how how much space did you lose? (laughs) So the camper trailer when he's unpacked is six meter long. So yeah, he's good. Two double bed with a lunge in the middle, and then everything is outside. So it's a um, draw system. So you pull out like the fridge, you pull out the kitchen with a full burner gas with a sink, and the shower is outdoor outside with a portable toilet. Gotcha. So, <laughs> but it's been really easy. I don't know. We made the transition so easy, like um, with a minimum and things. So it's quite good. Yeah, but I think, too, if you're a backpacker, that almost probably seems like a mansion, you know, which, yeah. <laughs> in a way. So I could see that being really cool. Um, did your partner have any, like, RV kind of 4 by 4 experience, or was this new to him as well? It was new. I gotcha. Yeah, I find it very interesting that in this lifestyle, a lot of people don't have, like, well, you know, I'll refer to as RV experience, and they just yeah. decide it's something they want to do and learn on the way. Yeah, that's true. When I was a backpacker, I had a van for a few months, um, but then the camper trailer is completely different because we auto-sufficient. So, you know, we got all like as a solar system, we've got a hot system shower. We've got like, it's it's like glamping <laughs> compared right. to before. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Yeah, no doubt. For sure. <laughs> what is your guys' travel schedule? Um, I always try to compare it. So for like me, I probably stay at a place about a week and then I move on. Um, I've done some longer stays, obviously, but I, if I really look back over the last four years, it's probably a week, two weeks max on the average. What's your schedule been like? Well, we don't have really schedule. It's like we like a place we stay and we board or we're ready and have it itchy fit again or, or yeah, or if we don't like, we just do two days and we live again. So, but when we really like it can be, yeah, <laughs> we can stay one month or two months. It really depends to where it is. Is it, so again, all I know is the United States when it comes to RV traveling, are you doing a lot of just boondocking or do you guys have like campgrounds that you're going to as well? No, we do most of the time is like, yeah, it's free camp, campground or low coast. Mm. So yeah, we love, we love be off road and, um, and things go, you go, we can access some, uh, some place other things were not four by four. So like some place where it's not too busy and, um, yeah, it's just like little gem. So yeah, most of the time is that it's really rare. We, we're doing caravan park or we do it sometimes. Uh, just if, for example, you know, you got to stay in a place, so it's not really recommend because it's not really safe. It's rare, but some places are a bit rough at night. Uh, or if we 
just sometimes to have a little break, you know, just to kind of enjoy a long shower and do all the washing and you know, just something like that. On in the cities too, because in the cities you don't have like, of course, like a campsite or things like that. Oh, really? So in the like here, I mean, obviously in, in a lot of our big cities, there still is you know expensive, but there are campgrounds that you can go to. In Australia, when you're in the big cities, there's really nowhere to go to. And so, you know, we're going to have caravan parks. So what caravan park is more like with all the amenities you need, gotcha. like playground for kids and like yeah, everything. Yeah. Mm-mm. Gotcha. Do you but run- no, no think low cost or, or, or like free. Gotcha. Do you run into a lot of uh, Americans that are traveling via RV or not so much? Not so much. No, a few Canadians. Um, but uh, yeah, not much. We met once some Americans just once i think and hawaiian gotcha yeah Yeah, i guess hawaiians just want to go from island to island no matter how big the island yeah i think so (laughs) (laughs) do you do you spend much time in the in the middle in like the desert area or do you really stick to the coast well we haven't been yet because of covid situation you know some states um been closed so we had to you know jungle like just change a bit our destination to go where we won't be locked down so yeah <laughs> so we haven't done it yet okay so you said states i i i probably learned this in high school and have forgotten how does australia talk about their like borders within australia is it states is it county is it provinces what is it we've got stay uh, we got states and territories States and territories. Do you know how many states and territories? Uh, yeah, we got uh, so New South Wales, Victoria, so Tasmania, Northern Territory, WA. Uh, that would be five or six. Five or six. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For us, it's like we always say fifty states, so it's easy. But if you yeah, ask yeah. me counties, I wouldn't be able to tell you how many counties we have or cities we have. So that makes sense. So you have to stay yep. within those states. I got it during uh, COVID. So, yeah, I did. I have some friends that are in Australia, and they did talk about there were uh, real restrictions going basically from state to state that they had to stay really kind of put during the majority of that. Uh, and, and that's what you found as well. You were kind of stuck in the state you were in. No, we, we're quite lucky because um, we only had since beginning of the pandemic uh three months lockdown in tasmania and that's it so because we moved quite well so we never been where the covid's been like you know really high risk so pretty much here in wa we we free you know we got no mask there is no case we were just like yeah we're just living the normal life gotcha is the plan to stay in australia do you see yourself you know doing this in other countries yeah, absolutely. Um, we plan to do Europe, um, but not with our uh, camper trailer, more with a motorhome. Okay. Uh, and we want to do New Zealand. Nice. And and then we'll see. <laughs> 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 That's been going to keep us a few years already. And then we see if we still like want to do. I'm quite keen to do like a road trip from like um, yeah, South America, across America to Canada, Alaska. So we'll see. But then it's different because we can't work. So we, we, we choose these countries to do lighter and continents because um, we can work uh, through like Europe, through me and uh, New Zealand because we're Australian citizens. So we, we don't need visa or anything. We just can go and work. So 
it's, it make it easy to finance the trip. So except if like I'm thinking being a um, translator, French, English. So if I can do that and have a job online, then I can work all over the world. So that could be the good things to do. Well, that's a good transition. What are you currently doing for work? Uh, we picked what we find. Oh, okay. <laughs> so nice. It's just like easy, so no routine. And uh, there's a lot of work in Australia, especially me at the moment. Uh, most of the time, we don't even have to look after job. People offer us jobs. So at the moment, my partner, we are on a property and my partner is doing some fencing, building construction, maintenance, things like that. Me, I look after Louis. So it's always one of us working. So the other one can look after our son. Gotcha. And how old is your son? He's uh, almost four, four by the end of the year. Gotcha. So it's he's getting to the point where he knows what's going on now for sure. And and this is yeah, the only sure, life he's yeah. known, right? Yeah, but he lives like that since he's 13 months old. So it's yeah. pretty much his life, you know. <laughs> what a great childhood, especially for the, I mean, we've all learned how important the early years are and everything that he gets uh, exposed and experienced. How great for him. Yeah, school of life is the best, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting. I haven't ran in, I mean, I've had some people on the podcast that kind of go from job to job, but I don't think I've ever heard where literally where you go, there are people that will then offer you work. And does it usually come with work and a place to stay or is it just work and you, you drive back and forth? But this one, it was, um, it's, uh, the, so the owner uh, got a big property who was on a donate, he put his, um, fields, uh, on a donation camp. So we came here for, we're thinking like for a few days and on first day he asked me if I can help him picking olives and I'm like, yeah, okay, no problem. Um, but I thought I will help an old guy, you know, picking some olive few trees in his backyard, but I didn't know it was a pay work for 200 trees. (laughs) But but that was a good experience. I really enjoyed it, you know, like something new, using the new machine and things like that. And then he gave that job to my partner when the olives was finished. But um, one day we did, for example, um, do you know about HelpX? You know, the website HelpX? Uh, It's all over the world. So it's like... Um, in exchange of free accommodation and food, oh, wow. uh, you do you do some work, you know, for people. And one day we went to help some people to their house, and at the end they own a gin distillery, and they gave us a job. So that was perfect. We both worked this time, but um, we could manage with Louis, so that was good. So Nathan was doing shifts, and I t- he took over, and I was going to work. So that was pretty much cool. So it's happened most of the time like that, like or just by talking with a local or things like this. Or do you need to work? Or so we just see. Usually we do if we like the area. If we don't like the area, we don't take the job. You know, if it's to stay for two or three months, we want to feel good. Gotcha. And what has been like the longest work stay you've done? Uh, I think that was three months. Gotcha. Yeah, three months, yeah. Mm. And again, that's only available to locals because of the same restrictions you have. Because I I was like, that's that's like something I wished people were able to do like in their 20s, you know, like a group of friends, you get in an RV, you can even go to a different country if you want to, and you just travel and you get to work kind of, you know, interesting, odd jobs. I mean, to look back 10, 15 years from now and know that you worked on an olive tree farm, that's pretty cool. 
yeah, it's really nice. And um, it, it's always different, you know, so that's what is good. And we learn some skill, you know, so, but even before COVID, we had a lot of work. It was, Australia is really good with work, you know, like, it doesn't matter. It, it's always different. So I used to have a cleaning business. So one day, so Nathan was managing a supermarket in Tasmania. So we were staying in a caravan park because it was near the city. And then the caravan park, they offer me a cleaning job, you know, so that can, <laughs> so I can have Louis around me and things. So that was quite good too. So it's always happened like that. You talk and, yep, okay, but let's take it. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Have you ever been approached to teach French at all while you're in Australia? Uh, I, I used to do it for a private person, just like more conversation or people who want to progress their um, their English. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that's it's very cool. I mean, do you only speak French and English, or do you speak other languages as well? Uh, I speak a little bit of Italian. Nice. And a, and a little bit of Spanish, but Spanish I really got to go back to Spain too. <laughs> I understand it really well, but like now to speak, it's a bit hard. <laughs> Has your accent changed at all from when you came over, you know, basically being a French national to now being in Australia for over 10 years? It changed a bit, yeah. Some people just think uh, I'm German or South Africa or things like that. Some pick straight away French. Uh, if I'm tired, my accent is really strong. Gotcha. <laughs> but, uh, otherwise, uh, otherwise, it's pretty much okay. But if I speak, for example, with English people, they definitely tell me, oh, you speak Australian, you know, you don't speak English. <laughs> so. No, because I, it, it, I, I am picking up, uh, obviously, French I pick up completely. I hear the French accent, but then every once in a while, I do hear a little bit of Australian. And I had a a guest on the show that was originally from Brazil and that was basically his first language, but then he lived in Boston. So he had this like Boston accent with like a Brazil accent. It was very, <laughs> it was very interesting. Like, and it's such that I love those kind of mixes of languages like that. So I just thought that was, that was interesting. I just, I wondered if when you speak to family and friends back in France, do they notice it a lot that your accent is different or comment on it at all? Yes, sometimes when I speak, because I forgot some words in French, so I come straight away in English, you know. So last time, I know last time I wanted to, for example, say to my dad, oh, we cook some pumpkin, but he was like, what is pumpkin, you know? And I was trying to find it in French, and I could not. And I was like, you know, the things for Halloween, and we make soup with you know, the orange things, because I, I could not remember, you know. Or sometimes we... I, um, that's what a lot of French do. We, we do what we call it, um, franglais or franglish. So we mix both, but it's not a word who exists. So for example, um, accommodation in French, um, if we do franglish, we will say accommodation, but it doesn't exist at all. We will say location, location in, in, in French, you know, <laughs> so it's just some words like, but all French here do that. So it's quite funny. <laughs> that is funny. I, one of my closest friends, like growing up in school in third through like sixth grade, um, she was French and she would have these birthday parties. And we recently were talking about it where like the mom served us champagne, like, and we were like, what, 10 years old. And I remember all of us being so excited and, you know, she is like French, French. She still is. Even when I talked to her, it's so funny. But I always remember that as kids, like they just, that wasn't a thing for them. Like it was totally fine for a kid to have, you know, a toast for the birthday. 
Yeah, absolutely. But we just like yeah, put our lips in. But yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> That's was was French your original language then? Because you said your dad. So I'm assuming that French was your original, and you, then you learned English. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I learned the basic at school, but I left school at 17. Uh, and I was not really interested in English because I had bad teachers. So when I arrived in Australia, it was pretty hard, <laughs> especially with the accents. It was like, oh, my God, you know, um, like I was like, I would never can do it. And, yeah, I did it. I pushed myself and um, things like that because um, I was more into American accent because um, when I was about 16, um, I spent one month in California. And then I had friends, you know, so like uh, American friends. So I was more in um in in the American accent, not the Australian accent, which can be quite rough. <laughs> so. I gotcha. I you know I never feel like I'm unexperienced or even use the term like stupid in any means. But when I talk to people that know more than one language. There's, there's part of me that's really jealous, like that I have not learned a second language, especially growing up in California and not knowing Spanish. And my kids are half Mexican and not knowing Spanish. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, why didn't I take the time and energy? It's such a big thing in our schools, but we just do it to kind of pass. But it's one of those things I am very jealous of when I meet people that can speak multiple languages. Um, so it's like a really good thing. Like, and especially if you can't figure out where they're from, I love that as well too, that there's such a, a hodgepodge of, you know, uh, kind of just your experiences that, you know, I, I don't get jealous often, but I do get jealous of multiple languages for <laughs> sure. Especially, especially people that know like three or four languages. I'm just blown away by that. That's amazing. Yeah, I think it's because too, when we're young at school and seeing it, why I'm going to need, you know, like speaking another language, I'm going to stay in my country, you know, you don't think later, you will probably, I can see Nathan, he, he, um, he learned a bit of French at school uh, when he was younger, young, but he, he never pushed because he said, he said why I'm going to need French, you know, especially been in Australia, but we never think he will meet a French girl one day. You know? right. so, so now he's learning a bit, and um, it's good because Louis speak French too. So he's learning too with his son. So it's a, you know it's the same level if you go like that. Like because when you learn a new language, it's uh, it's a, also a kid level. So they they work together. It's quite cute. Oh, that is very cute. I love that. No, I, and I think it would. I always thought about that too, especially with my kids. If I could. If I could talk to my kids in another language that the person that I'm with wouldn't understand and you could say things to your kids that the person couldn't hear, you know, or even to your partner, or your mate, just be able to be like, hey, we need to get out of here. But you could say it in a different language instead of making an excuse. I was like, oh, that'd be beautiful. I would love to be able to do that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, well, then let's, I mean, I I, I want to make sure I'm, because obviously the majority of my listeners are here in the States um, I guess I want to make sure if there is someone that is itching to at some point, you know, take the experiences they have in the United States and go to Australia. Are there things that you can recommend um, in, in the sense of, you know, coming there and doing that? Is there something that, you know, maybe I'm not thinking to ask that they should know if someone right now is listening that wants to go to Australia and caravan around Australia? Uh, um, if they can't work, they need a lot of saving because Australia, if it's, expensive country 
um, all the activities and things like, for example, like, because of course, if you come in another country, you want to do the best things, you know? So if it's for a really long time, yeah, you need a good saving. Uh, but then after that, Australian are really cruisy, um, really welcoming people. A um, lot of them open the door to, they're really friendly. So yeah, it's, um, so just for us, the food and things, everything needs to be like, yeah, I, I recommend saving is the best, <laughs> definitely. Because some people can be surprised as they arrive here, they're like, oh my God, yeah, it, it costs a lot. I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you can work, then it's easy, you know. I mean, so it sounds like uh, possibly American get a visa that allows them to work kind of like how you're working, where they could go and stay. Or is that pay like under the table for an American? And if American went there, would they just be given like room and board and then it's not really pay? No, I think they need a special visa or Today. sponsorship or something yeah, to stay, to can stay here. Yeah, I don't think there is. They don't have the working holiday visa, I think, for the young ones so like yeah and i'm not sure now i think they probably well, often yeah like you said uh, under the table job but it's a bit harder to right. <laughs> or after if they work online you know and they nomad digital that's fine you know they they be um they have a, they, they will have a ball here because yeah it's uh, we've got some place we can we can um, camp on the beach you know so it's quite amazing when your backyard is a paradise <laughs> There's are there no rules? I mean, that was really different for me being from California. There's maybe two beaches that allow you to park on the sand, but then going to Texas, the majority of Texas allows you to park on the sand. Is that kind of how it is in Australia, or if you can get access to the no. sand? Oh, okay. It it's easy access, yeah. Gotcha. Like uh, some, of course, not all the beaches, but and it depends where you are. W R, it's a bit more common, especially north and things like that. Um, so there is few in South Australia. Um, we haven't find any in other states or really close, like walking distance to the beach. Yeah, really easy. Um, so it's, um, it's just the best, I think, for us because, like, we just wake up, have a coffee, and go on the beach for walks and stuff like, I don't know, yoga, workout, or surf, nice and surf. Oh, for me, like stand up paddle, or you know, just be seeing and just like a cruisy, cruisy nice day. <laughs> just sort of, just perfect. Gotcha. Now, I will probably ask a question that's a little naive based on just some of the stuff, uh, especially because in my younger years, I used to enjoy surfing a lot. And I used to always remember hearing that when it comes to especially like Australia and, and even areas like South Africa and stuff, that there are a lot of sharks. Is that true or no? Yeah, it's true, but there is more dog attacks, you know, per year than shark attack. I love it. <laughs> I will say. So. I think, yeah, here in I the States, it's, it's more deer attacks. There's a greater odd of being attacked by a deer, at least your car, than you ever would, you know, being bit or, you know, hurt by a shark. So it's probably the same thing. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, there's just... I so, didn't know that. Well, yeah, yeah there's mm-hmm. just... Yeah, that's why we don't... Like, when we travel, we very rarely travel, like, at dusk when deers will come out because they'll cross the freeways and stuff. So... Um, but yeah, you, I don't really know. I've, I've known people that have hit deers with their cars. I don't know anyone that's been bitten by a shark. So, okay, yeah, no, I don't know anyone who's been bitten by a shark too. <laughs> so or get attacked or die. No, not at all. <laughs> there is. I know WI got a lot of security too, so you can see uh, there is some. Um, I don't know as they call it, but some like uh, siren. So if if a shark is spot at some point somewhere. 
you know, like uh, the siren zone and everyone's going out from the beach, from the ocean. So oh, cool. it's, um, it's quite safe. Yeah. Well, it's funny when you see that just after you had a nice swim and you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I haven't seen that before. It must be like a shark, a shark place. But no, I'm alive. <laughs> it, it's funny. Yeah, if you don't know what the sirens are, we were in a small town in Oregon and their volunteer fire department will have these sirens that I've only heard in what I'll refer to as a tornado like movie or TV show. So I literally was like, I didn't know they were calling the volunteer fire department to come to the fire station. I guess they all live close enough that they hear the sirens, they go to the station and they go to the fire. Um, but I literally was like, wait, is that a tornado? I was like really freaking out. I didn't know what the <laughs> sirens meant. And everyone's like, no, no, it's just for the volunteer fire department. We're fine. Don't worry about it. I was like, oh, okay. So... Oh, that's good. That can be, yeah, when you don't know what is a siren. It's always like, um, the other day I was in a shopping center and like, like a few weeks ago and it was a, a evacuation, evacuation, emergency, emergency. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Just like, okay, let's like, go out. And so I close the shopping center. Everyone, even the staff, so they close all the shop. Everyone had to go out. So not really sure what's happened. I didn't wait. I just left. <laughs> so. That's funny. Yeah, we don't, I don't, but I would say a fire alarm, like in a building, I probably wouldn't panic. I'd probably think it's a false alarm, but it was funny that hearing a siren that I'd never heard before, I just didn't know what was going on. Like, that's funny. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. (laughs) (laughs) So when you guys aren't working kind of from job to job and traveling, what do you guys like doing for fun? I know you said Nathan likes surfing, but what do you guys like doing uh, when you're not working in Without travel. hiking, okay. like uh, going for hike and things. Uh, I'm, I like photography, so I'm learning. I'm not, a, I'm not a pro, but I'm learning. So because now I've got time to do it and it's something I always wanted to do. Uh, we, yeah, just um, walk around, visiting, to camp for a lot of campfires when, um, when it's the seasons, because sometimes we're not allowed. Uh, and just yeah, just uh, get to meet a lot of people. We love that too, you know. But most of the time is yes, but just like visiting, you know, and just like uh, do some uh, hiking. Like Louis is a good walker, so it's good too, you know. Like the last one, he was only through. Uh, was a few months ago and he did like 765 meter hike so for his little legs it's a lot <laughs> but he did it so it's quite good that's very cool now here in the states we have uh national parks that you know obviously are ran kind of by the federal government and then we have state parks does australia have either just state parks or national parks like that as well too that cost admission to go into or are they just the parks free there uh, we got a lot of national parks, so you need a permit. Um, so you, you you usually buy uh, what's the best for us to buy annual pass, but by states. Um, so you, you, you don't need to pay. Otherwise, it's $15 per each time you go to a national park. So if you do a lot, it's, probably, it's like the pass is 120 I think, for the year. So it's cheaper to go an, with an annual pass than like paying. Imagine if you do... A, I don't know how many uh, national park and it's $15 each time you go. You know? yeah. So, and uh, some national park got beaches and you can camp too. So it's really good. Gotcha. We have the, we have kind of the same thing that I think after like two or three visits, it makes sense just to buy the annual and that way you have it kind of moving forward. But then we still have to pay sometimes to get into state parks. 
uh, depending if they yeah, have fees. Yeah, exactly. We got stage for rest, but not stage bath, but stage for rest. What is that? Uh, it's in New South Wales, so it's more, I think it's maybe a little bit more remote, I will say, and usually it's free to stay. Oh, wow. And um, so it's a bit more inland. It's not really on the coast. Or sometimes you can have a, you, you're going to have like 40 minutes drive from the first beach. I think that it's really nice, you know, and uh, I, I like States Forest. And usually they got amenities. So you got like probably some fireplace and some toilets. So, and barbecues. Right. So it's quite good. Gotcha. All right. Well, speaking of barbecues, when you came over from France, what's a food that you found in Australia that you just love eating now? that maybe you just didn't even know existed? Uh, I think uh, I'm eating more fruit, actually. <laughs> like, it's just everything grows in Australia. So it's um, just like mangoes. I love mangoes and things. But then um, there is not really speciality in Australia, you know, like except the pie. I like pies, but it's more the snacks for the lunch or things like that. Are, are the pies there? Is that more of a, a meal or a dessert? No, it's a, it's a meal. So it's a okay. pie with meat or chicken or vegetarian or right. whatever. And um, it's um, the, the original, it's minced meat, but then they do all of variation. You can have steak and mushroom or bacon and cheese or <laughs> like uh, chicken mornay. All of this is really yummy. Yeah, because there's a baking show I like watching, and sometimes they'll be like, okay, today we're going to make a pie. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then they're like, okay, first thing is steak. And I'm like, wait, what? Because, like, here, obviously, <laughs> in the States, pie. I mean, there's chicken cho- chicken pot pie, I think is what it's called. But mostly here in the States, when you say pie, we mean a dessert, not a meal. So that's fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love those kind of differences. Um, also, too, so obviously here in the States – there's a big difference between West Coast and East Coast and, you know, the West and the South. I mean, granted, we're all, you know, Americans. We're all from the United States. But there's a big difference. Is that the same in Australia when you're going from state to state? Is there a lot of difference in the cultures and language or just, you know, the dialect and what's popular and what's not kind of a thing? No, not much. It will be, no, I don't think so. After you got more, uh, but you got the Aboriginal, so they're going to have their own dialect. Um, but then other than that, no, it's uh, it's really similar. Gotcha. Oh, that's cool to know. So one of the things I like to do kind of at the end is uh, what I call high-low, but it's something I used to do with my kids. And I like doing it because I think it, it one, I think it brings kind of people together and understanding that there are lows in this lifestyle and there are highs. So uh, the low can't be COVID, flat tire, internet, something breaking down that I think everyone kind of deals with. But what's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe you just didn't expect or know that you've kind of had to deal with? Uh, that was a flash flood. <laughs> was there? And did, that, like, did you guys have to like hightail it out of there or is it? We were back. It's when we were locked down in Tasmania, so uh, some farmers opened um, their paddock for us to can stay for the th- for the three months of lockdown, and we were camping. Um, I would say maybe fifteen meters from fifteen twenty meters from a bed river. It was completely dry. Um, even in the morning, I was playing with Louis with uh, you know with the rocks on the bed river and um it's been it never flood 27 years nothing happened and seeing and that day train quite heavy lucky was during the day and i looked and at some point it started a little bit to 
come down and I went to check the creek from the riverbed. So there was like a little bit of water and I heard a noise and I look and it's like, I just scream, Nathan, the creek, you know, and like in uh, five minutes, um, so we, we had um, water to, uh, to our hips. Uh, so first thing, we just put Louis in a car. Uh, and put the car higher to can get out. Um, save our fridge too because the fridge costs. You know? <laughs> so save our fridge. Check everything we can uh, on the other side of the paddock. Uh, and um, and uh, lucky Nathan had the idea to tie the camper trailer to a tree. Otherwise, it will be washed away. Uh, so it was pretty was full on because we thought we lost everything. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Louis locked himself in a car. <laughs> so it was like, no way. So we had to break a window, you know, to can get into the car. Um, so then we moved the car and um, the rescue came. Uh, SES things. They checked as uh, the cops came. They tried with the farmer next door, really knows the place to find a way. But it was too dangerous. They could not even pass a little boat uh, on the water to rescue us. So they say, okay, um, we're calling the helicopter from Hobart now. So you got to go to this. They gave us a direction to park where we it's safe to have the um, helicopter landed. And uh, then they... Uh, <laughs> Ten minutes after, they call us back saying, sorry, but um, the helicopter had to land it because um, it's too dangerous. It can't fly. And we were, so you're going to have to spend the night in your car. And he's like, what? And like, I had a breakdown, like, really, because it's Tasmania. You know, we all went. I had changed for our son, but Nathan and I, we have uh, nothing. So Nathan is in his, in his handies. Um, is covered with a <laughs> with a beach towel, and I'm in a swimmer um, covered with a hammock, you know, and my denim jacket. That's the only thing like we had in a car, and we have a breaking window. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's April in Tasmania, so it's really cold. Wow. So yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a crazy been, uh, day. Yeah. I can see that being a low for sure. Well, I mean, at least it, you're here to tell been, the story, though. Yeah, but by chance, we had enough petrol in the car to turn on the car every half an hour to get warm, you know, and get the heat on. And in the morning, uh, Jim, like the water dropped, uh, and um, Jim's a neighbor um, at 6 a.m. He was with a chainsaw um, chopping the trees who were on the bridge so we could go. Uh, and finally, uh, we've been really, really lucky because uh, we lost everything outside, but it doesn't really matter. Um, but the water stopped maybe just like a few centimeters from the door. So we had no water at all inside. And uh, we just had to open everything after to let it dry because a lot of bugs and stuff like that. And um, the farmers who who um, Francis got to open their door to us. Um, they had an Airbnb, so they let us stay in an Airbnb time. We fixed everything. So, yeah, we've been quite lucky to, in, a, in that nightmare, but now we laugh about it, but it's been pretty traumatic, yeah. That is one of the, the, the themes is when we talk about our lows, a lot of times it's, it's something we can laugh about now. 
even though it was really scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Absolutely. But yeah, the worst was like when we locked himself in the car, I was like, no way. You know, like we, we have enough today. Why are you doing that? You <laughs> yeah. know, but it was only two for little thing, you know. So it was just, uh, no. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's a good story, though, for sure. Because that's when yeah. something like that happens. That's, oh, man. Well, let's talk about a, let's, let's end on a high. So what's been a real high in this lifestyle that you just didn't, you know, expect that you have, you know, th those moments where you say, I can't believe this is our life. I think really when we got the best spot on the beach, it's like, oh, I'm living the dream, you know, and uh, <clears throat> there is a place where it, it was awesome, like a lot of nice people, so everyone extend a little bit because we were all good together, you know, just uh, having a, all the kids were playing together during the day and seeing and we, um, are just doing our things, but then, you know, just have a drink and a fire and think, well, it's really, really amazing. I just love that time. <laughs> or when, then when we go for visiting and we got, you know, just that amazing view, you're just breathtaking, you know, and like, wow, you know, it's just like, wow, that's so worth it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. No, it's, it's funny that sunsets and sunrises come up a lot you know, in, in kind of the highs, like for some reason, and they've always been around, you know, our entire lives, but there's something about when we get out and we're experiencing this, those, those moments are the ones that we really seem to know, whether it's maybe because it's quieter now or, you know, we're, we're more in tune with it. We, we respect it and appreciate it more. It's just funny that those are the moments that are our highs now. Yeah. I, I think cause it's a, yeah, it's really peaceful and the color and like um, the noise of the nature too. It are different. Um, like, so my favorite is sunrise because <clears throat> there is less people. Sometimes we can be, you know, in popular place. So at the sunset, there is a lot of people, but if you go for the sunrise, not many people are early bird. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> No, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I really love like, especially when it's rising at five thirty. You know, it's just like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> if people want to find you on uh, social media, are you available? And if you are, just let us know uh, where they can find you, and I'll make sure to write it down in the show notes. So, folks, if you're listening, you don't have to try to write it down. You can just go down below in the show notes and click the link. But where can people find you? Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, on family life on wheels. There is a bit more on Instagram. Okay. Um, I use a bit more. Yeah. Um, I've done Facebook more, you know, for the people who just don't have Instagram and, uh, probably soon we, when we finish working here, we probably start a YouTube channel too on the same name, family life on wheels. Very cool. That'll be fun. Yeah. And then I'll definitely come back and re uh, link that when you start making videos. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for, one, waking up super early over there in Australia to uh, record the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, if we ever end up in Australia, I will look you up. Yeah, for sure. Give us a call. And, yeah, we're going to show you around. That's, that's <laughs> uh, with big pleasure. That's awesome. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. Well, another fun episode. A big thank you to Jenny for coming on the show and waking up super early to be able to record here in the States. If you want to reach out to Jenny and ask her any questions about traveling in Australia or to follow her family's journey, just click on the show notes in your podcast player and you'll be able to find how to find her on Instagram. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, 
we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.